Welcome to Terror Talk, a true crime, psychology, and horror film podcast. We podcast from Los Angeles, California, and we upload new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined each week by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all things from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. I'm chewing. I'm finishing an almond. I apologize. <laughs> I, sometimes that happens. I'll be like, ready? She's like, ready. And then, wait, actually, I'm still eating an almond. <laughs> yeah. Pop me off guard. Yep. Um, so today on the show, we are continuing our female psychopath series, which peeps seem to enjoy. Uh, today on the show, we are going to discuss the 2014 drama mystery thriller entitled Gone Girl, starring Ben Affleck. Uh, Affleck, sorry, Rosamund Pike and Neil Patrick Harris, most notably. The director was David Fincher, who also did Fight Club, which I might mention later. Uh, the writers, the screenplay is the same as the novelist, Jillian Flynn. It's a, a whopping two hours and 29 minutes long. <clears throat> It's long, but I will say this. When I started it, I, I remember looking at the running time going, wow, this is, I, I remember being long, I, it, but it went by fast for, I was really, I'm, it's a movie that really pulls me in. No, I think that's why this might be one of those rare movies where it's allowed to be that long in my mind. <laughs> because, because it's every, I mean, it, it was intentional. I don't feel like they dragged it on for no reason. Yeah, and I think one of the big reasons, and by the way, we're going to spoil this movie. Hopefully you all have seen it because it is an incredibly popular movie and a good movie. So it's not a movie that you would want to be spoiled. So this is the moment where you go watch the movie and come back. Uh, I think one of the things that happens is because the big twist happens right in the middle of the movie that that makes like it starts a whole new movie for you in your mind and so that gives you that like i don't know for whatever reason i think that psychologically you're like what and then it's like this whole and then you're looking at the whole second half of the movie like in a different way and Mm -hmm. i think that really helps yeah Um, but when i did sit down to look at it i was like oh two hours and 29 yeah it's a long one and one that you really i mean you have to pay attention to because so much happens you do. You do. Had you seen this movie before? I had. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen it in maybe, I think I saw it six months or a year after it came out. So That's I don't, probably my time frame, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it immediately. And I remember um, liking it. Obviously, mm-hmm. we watched it differently this time totally. for different reasons, but I remember liking it the first time I saw it. Yeah, me too. I, I liked it as well. I uh, I think I actually staved off watching. I got a screener, I think, possibly. Yeah, I did. And I staved off watching it because I hadn't read the book or what have you. And then I did read the book. And the book is very different in the sense that the book is a straight like crime drama, crime novel mm-hmm. type of thing, like a whodunit in some ways. It's just a kind of a different structure in the way they, I mean, I know that it's the same, the writer who wrote the novel wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, really different, like more mythological, not a crime drama, more of a couple story, more mm-hmm. of a relationship story. Mm-hmm. Certainly there's crime and, you know, all of the, you know, mystery thriller is and drama is part of that, but way more of a drama, I think, than the book, way more centered on the couple and their... 
and like cultural ideals of couples and men and women because yep. there's a lot of um, the masculine myth going on, the feminine myth going on, the mm-hmm. myth of couples and what they're supposed to be and look like. So right. a lot of different stuff. But because this is part of our female psychopath series, let's talk about Rosamund Pike and her character and her psychopathy. I know that before we started recording, you were saying that this one was a little bit different or maybe more like, who did you say it was more like one of the ones? Catherine Trammell mm-hmm. from, from uh, basic, basic instinct. Gotcha. I just felt like she was more sophisticated. And although we'll get into the complexity of her potential diagnosis, I still think, I mean, Catherine Trammell was definitely um, regulated <laughs> more to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but sort of. yeah, to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that, oftentimes when they write female psychopaths, they just make them very hysterical and emotional. And I don't know, she was, she had those moments, but she was pretty flat, pretty contained. And part, that's partly performance, partly the way the character's written. She plays a lot of her roles with this demeanor though. She sure does. Yeah. And she's she's mastered this. I imagine that's why she was cast, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I also think it's a device, too, because as a viewer, you really need this character and this actor to not, like, give it entirely away. You have to, you're, there's a twist. So right. y- you can't be that kind of, like, reactive giving it away on screen. You have to convince the audience that the story is one way mm-hmm. and then then when it switches, convince them that it's the other way, which is actually a really difficult thing to do with sophisticated audiences these days. Was there anything else about the movie that you wanted to? I just, um, I, there's a lot I could say about the movie. I think Mm -hmm. that they, the performances were good. I liked the way that obviously there's a lot of the story that I don't think would ever actually pan out in reality just because so much happened that you're like, there's no possible way right. that either one of them would have gotten away with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like it, it's hard to keep my attention for two and a half hours and it did. So it's hard. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on what that was other than I think the story was really told well yeah i mean so what i would so i would what i would start to talk about right now is that i i had read this really interesting article i think it's from uh the new yorker about this movie and it really resonated with me and maybe this provides some of the answers to that as far as like why but it's really looking at this movie, because it's Fincher, you, you have to kind of, I, I mean, this it jives for me. I haven't done a lot of like, what was Fincher thinking and all of the background to this movie because I didn't really want to do that. I'd really come to it on a different kind of term. But like a, as a postmodern narrative, you know, that the heroes and villains in Fincher's Gone Girl are people. They're not people. They're stories. So that was kind of what this um, author was talking about is that it's they're familiar but it's mythological it's like uh gone girl it says uh, gone girl is a fantasy of course it takes place in a dream world not reality so 
that's why it doesn't seem it's like far fetched. It's not real. It's it's more dealing with, um, you know, leaving the theater. You're asking yourself how connected these are ideas are in real life, and you can't miss the fact that fundamentally, Gone Girl is a farce. You know, because right. it's just not the it's not based in reality. It's more based, like it said, you know, the people are, they're not people, they're stories. And then I would connect that to another thing that he's talking about is that um, there's a sense that you know you're exploring the positive and negative sides of the manliness myth, where Fincher had done that in Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Fincher had only to propose a single character in this one, a man with a quote unquote dissociated personality, um, you know, gone girl demands two bifurcated people, each of whom must play both the victim and the aggressor. Exactly. And I think that's maybe what it was is you take turn. I mean, I didn't have empathy for either one of them to be honest, but you take turns going, man, who would I who who do you defend more in this situation or who do you do you feel sorry for either one of them because like we were saying before we started recording was um you know he's i mean to me it's overtly narcissistic but he's covert narcissist in the sense that he he plays a really good um i've been victimized kind of thing mm-hmm. although people certain people in his life could see right through it yes um his sister, his sister, but the charm and all of the lack of empathy and right, the cheating and yeah, I mean they they essentially hated each other. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. I watched this movie with another person, and I thought this was a funny thing that they said. They were like that it was maybe three quarters of the way through, and they were like, "So one's a stupid cunt and one's a smart cunt." <laughs> I bet I can guess who said that. <laughs> you probably can, yeah. but we'll just leave yeah, it an- yeah. anonymous. <laughs> um, but it's just true. It's like one was smart and one stupid. So in this particular situation, the man looks stupid and the woman looks smart. You know? Yeah. It's sort of, uh, and that manliness myth of what like manliness is and, and how, how that is. And on, then also this article also goes on to talk about, um, you know, the, the mythos around coupledom as well is like more complex and troubled than the mythos of manliness. So there's Mm -hmm. just, um, it's, it's, it's a fascinating kind of situation to look at coupledom. You know, it remains like sort of very fraught territory because it can mean a lot of different things. Like, like we were saying, you know, they're both very unlikable and they're both the victim and the aggressor, depending on what scene you're in. Exactly. And I think that keeps you on your toes. And so you've got someone who, let's say, um, she is, uh, a psychopath and he is a narcissist who has, is using her as a narcissistic supply because he gets into real trouble when he realized, like, he's just with this famous trust fund, ba- like, trust fund baby person to facilitate him being a victim and a big baby a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he loses his job and then plays video games all day or whatever because he's just like, wah. <laughs> and you're also, like, waiting, like, who's going to outdo the other one? <laughs> For sure. You know, you, you, I don't know. That's how 
obviously you knew she was more sophisticated and um that was sort of set up from the beginning but then when it takes that turn and Mm -hmm. you start to realize like wow you're a real piece of shit (laughs) um and and then you wonder what else does he have under his sleeve i guess right but so let's move into psychopathy what did you think about her i don't know diagnosis or whatever you think i think that she was um I don't know if she was a sociopath or a psychopath. I feel like she was a psychopath because although there were elements of narcissism there, Mm -hmm. she was, I think, reacting on pure primitive or primal sort of, you know, there was, there's such, there's no fear response to this woman at all. Mm -hmm. Nothing shook her. Mm -hmm. She would go to the length of looking any way just to get what she needed. So let's revisit uh, psychopathy mm-hmm. and the difference between that yeah. and maybe a malignant narcissist or sociopath is narcissism is not the necessarily the central or primary trait of a psych of, a, of psychopathy. It can be a secondary trait and it can be there. And, and it, I think there's a default of people who are narcissistic when they're psychopathic, because there are shared traits of lack of empathy and uh, among many uh, exploitation, grandiosity, all these things. But even with the grandiosity piece, not all psychopaths need to be the center of attention. She was narcissistic to a certain extent in her work and wanted to be recognized and looked at a certain way for her writing. But I even still think there was a psychopathic element to her work because she was essentially creating a character with feeling and with all these different emotions and experiences that, um, she couldn't feel, but also that she never experienced because her parents also, um, seemed incredibly narcissistic cold detached all of that so well and they started it right they're the ones that put her in the comic or whatever amazing right that's right they started so they had these really high expectations for her so um but i still see her more psychopathic so if we're looking at this from differentiating the two sociopathy tends to be more of a malignant form of narcissism that um that is usually the cause of some sort of environmental factor so you have um you know, elements of psychopathy and narcissism sort of all put into one. Um, psychopaths are typically born um, and and the wiring of their brain is very different. So they don't have the same, uh, um, they don't really experience emotion. They know how to mimic it and they don't have any remorse and there isn't a lot of emotion. But here is what makes her character really complicated to me, which is, she went above and beyond um, to, where do I have it here? She went to the extreme when she feared his abandonment. Mm-hmm. And so there's all, to me, there's also some elements of borderline personality Absolutely. in there too. So I would say that she's somewhere in between these two. Yeah, I would say she meets criteria most likely from what we know for, for antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And she meets criteria probably from what we know for borderline personality right. disorder. Just based on like the impulsivity and her, the unstable, unstable self-image pieces yes. of, mm-hmm. and the fears of abandonment. And that's what brings her back. You know, is that like, oh, well, now we can be together. And then, right. and then the psychopathy like, takes over. The antisocial part takes over where, um, you know, just that sort of pervasive um, 
I guess is a disregard for others. Yeah. For specifically yeah. him and her intimate relationships, which is where I would put the borderline, but also for <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, uh, oh my Desi or whatever his name he's was so good in this. <laughs> he's so good in this. Um, but the way that she completely objectified and exploited him for her personal gain, I think is a perfect example of how these personalities, whether they're narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, um, they exploit people for personal gain. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, and she did because there was already the the story behind the fact that he was obsessed with her. So, yeah. And he was a weirdo, too. I know. So unlikable. So I, you don't usually see Neil Patrick Harrison really unlikable characters. But, man, he was everybody. Horrifying. You hate everybody in this movie. Mm hmm. It's just like that other movie that she did recently that I'm not forgetting. I'm, oh, I just looked it up the other day. That I gave, I did a review on that movie actually when it first came out, and I'm not remembering what it. Is, right what's now. the actor's name again? Rosamund Pike. Yeah. Everybody in that movie was unlikable too. Kathy Bates was in that. The problem with that, well, I won't go off on that movie because I already talked about it. <laughs> Let's talk about Gone Girl. Um, you know. I guess the difficult, uh, hmm. so with this movie, the plot saves it because it was a book. It just, the plot saves it because the people like, like that article from the New Yorker was saying are stories, not people. They're the story they're, they're bringing. And I'm, I'm going to look at this article so I can make sure to credit it. The article is what gone girl is really about. And it's by Joshua Rothman uh, from 2014. And it was in the New Yorker. And I think, I don't know, that just really resonated with me because everything seems unreal. The people seem unreal. Um, the circumstances are, are far-fetched. But it comes together in a way that we want, we're, we're intrigued. We watch it. We like it still as a movie. Because if you described anything like that in a other kind of movie, a lot of, most of the time that's not going to come together. Right. Like, I hated everyone. And it doesn't seem real. Yeah. Those are two things that will tank a movie like in a minute. Yep. Those are things we don't want to see as a people. We don't want to see everybody being unlikable and we don't want to see something that just isn't based on any kind of um, reality unless it's supposed to not, not in a drama, right, basically right, right. not in a drama. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, uh, what I and what I think because I was sort of like stretching and grasping for like then why is this a good movie? <laughs> I knew why it was a good book because it was a good crime drama, but I think the performances are good. But I do think it's just like we're looking at two people and going, who the fuck could do this? Like it's so it's so extreme the incredulousness, I guess. And I think that sometimes that's what we crave is like we would never almost like when you're watching a horror film it's like you're so close to it without actually experiencing it it's like wow not that i would ever want to know these people or be these people but sort of imagining what that might be like to like live a life where you like you have give zero fucks yeah i think it's the same reason why uh, there's a fascination with true crime <laughs> at mm -hmm. all and absolutely well, and You're probably so why close to it and probably why people click on this episode or any of our other episodes that are true crime or psychopathy or narcissism or what have you is because 
everybody's in relationship with that in some way, whether it's just in our media figures or in their personal lives or in their work lives, we're all in sort of relationship with some of those qualities and they're incredibly distasteful qualities and very difficult to deal with. And everybody's like grasping for answers, but we're, there's also this dark fascination, of course, mm-hmm. with these shadowy pieces. Now, I would personally argue a couple of things. One is that they are all pieces of ourselves. And so we're fascinated with the darker parts of ourselves and our own propensity to be unlikable, be dark, be violent, be venomous, be manipulative, Mm -hmm. be narcissistic. Like we're all grappling with our own capacity for that Mm -hmm. and situations where we may have acted any piece of this out, not slitting people's throats and all of that necessarily, but this just this dark darker shadowy pieces of ourselves and we're all looking for answers to that and we're also all defending against it so a lot of the reactions of course are like i could never be that way i can't believe they act that way all of that like that's all very human and we all sort of usually have those kinds of reactions and i think that's partly defending against well what kind of situation would I be in in order to act that way? Yeah, I guess that's what I meant is watching it and going, what would it be like to be able to just do that without feeling? Yeah. And I also think there's a fan. Exactly. There's a fantasy of having no empathy. Mm -hmm. There's a fantasy of not giving two fucks, right? Absolutely. There's all these Instagram accounts that are like no fucks given and on all that stuff. Like we all, and we all follow them because it's like, Oh, that'd be so great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just such a persona that we would all love to embrace. And so it's a little bit of getting to act that out um, without any consequences. Mm -hmm. And because on any given day, many of us don't have the capacity to just be like that. Right. Um, the other argument I would make for like a fascination with this kind of thing is sort of what the article was saying, which I will say in a kind of a more concrete way is that, you know, culturally they're playing out a couple drama. Yeah. They're playing out masculine and feminine qualities that we all, um, in my orientation, we all have masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. qualities. So like, the like the myth of manliness and what men are supposed to be like and so this movie talks confronts uh violence it confronts bullying it confronts narcissism victimhood um men uh who you know loses his job and so like his whole ego goes out the window and so there's shame and self uh punishment that goes into that and then that makes him even more narcissistic Mm because he's sitting in his the shame of like the ego driven profession Mm -hmm. that he was part of um that's gonna throw anybody into kind of a more narcissistic crisis actually Mm -hmm. um when your identity is blown up you know he's got a little bit of borderline situation maybe i don't know um uh, again in psychodynamics you know you can anybody can be like in a borderline um level of functioning Mm -hmm. yeah and then just acting out a couple you know most people have been in a couple yeah some kind of couple and those dynamics and what does it mean to be in a what i was struck by i this is an aside but what i was struck by was like one year in they were kind of screwed yeah oh yeah (laughs) one year in she was giving him some kind of weird ass like um anniversary gift that was mean or something and i was just like Oh, so, and they're only five years in when all this shit's happening and you know, she's been planning the whole thing for at least a year. 
she's probably been planning it since well, the first year. And even when you look at the beginning of the movie and how they met. Oh my gosh, um, she's so sardonic. Well, they're both they're both playing a role yeah. and not being themselves yeah. when they meet. So from the get-go, it's like whose mask is going to drop first kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're both incredibly fake and both lack an identity, which I agree. I mean, there's like a kind of a borderline to him too. Yeah. Um, not some functioning. Some, there. some functioning there. Yeah. Um, he has no fucking clue who he is. And so it's a really interesting dynamic to watch play out. Incredibly toxic. This would be horrific if it were, was actually real, but like you were saying, watching it in a film and being able to be that close to it without it being real. It's, it's quite fascinating because you know, there are people out there uh, like this, maybe not to this extreme, but couple up um, covert, overt narcissists that couple up, and this is how they function. Yeah, they're just supplying off of each other. Yeah, there's it's they're constant mirrors to one another, and and it's um, I've known people like this, and they they'll break up with each other, and they always somehow end up back together in the chaos. Mm-hmm beating the shit out of each other, whether that means physically or emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they end up together. Yep. Doing that. Yep. Together. You, you're you left to believe that that's the way they're going to be for the rest of their lives. And I, that's the part of it that I really buy. Cause like what you're saying is that when you find someone that, gives you that chaos and toxicity that you're looking for. And, and I would say that is egosystonic to you um, and mirrors who you are, even though they hate each other, it's in their hate that they're bonded and attached. And so that attachment is to that, um, that pain, right? Like trauma bonded. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty ugly. It is pretty ugly. Not really a movie I'd watch again, I don't think. No. Yeah, their relationship was so odd. And then you have to think about, they get pregnant at the end, too. I know. It's It's like, like, oh, this poor child will probably be born a psychopath. Right. Um, Or just the receptacle. Or ends up being, yeah. A total depressive is what they would end up being, I think. And codependent, unless they became a psychopath too. What I think is with, if they stayed together and they were both the parents and this, they lived this in a chi- home this together. This child would, would more likely be the one who's has the complex stre- post-traumatic stress and, and couples up with people who treat them very similarly. That That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. A codependent and a, and a depressive personality because depressive personalities go very well with narcissists and psychopaths. And so uh, they'd be the receptacle for all of the trauma and torture and abuse. And they would not know any better until later. And they would be attempting to facilitate their parents' being whoever they needed to be and they'd be caught in the middle and there'd be lots of splitting and there'd be lots Mm -hmm. of manipulation and lying and um, lots of depression and And a fragmented personality of their own. You know, when you think you're, when you're a child of a a narcissistic parent, um, you don't fully develop your own identity because 
you're just trying to survive and not mm-hmm. become annihilated. Yeah. So. And depending on which parent the child uh, bonded with more so, bonded to daddy more than probably more borderline, more depressive, just sort of depending mm-hmm. with mom, maybe more psychopathic, maybe more mirrored, the same similar behavior. You know, you just don't know, but like not, not a good outcome either way. No, <laughs> just not a good outcome Mm-mm. either way. Mm-mm. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Gone girl. Yeah. Not going to watch it again. I think that's, I think twice is I'm good too, especially with two and a half hours. Um, but I really enjoyed the performances and I do agree with you entirely that the psychopathy, the antisocial personality disorder and the borderline was definitely where she was coming from and more like Catherine Trammell. I don't know that we've seen, uh, there was a couple, there's been a couple of other, I mean, borderline seems to mix in pretty well with the, uh, the other thing I just total side note and aside, I also thought, uh, Tyler Perry was awesome in this as the, as <laughs> yeah. the attorney. He was so Everyone's good in this freaking movie. He's, throw, he's throwing the gummy bears at him. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He provided, um, he was, uh, Ben Affleck's lawyer. He provided a little bit of uh, air in the room, a little comedic, like relief. a healthy person. Yeah, entered the room. There weren't very many. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he, you, you. The lightness. He came saw in. him for who he was. Yeah, and still defended him and did his thing did and his made job. his money, which yeah. is which is what we people have to do. It's just like with therapy, you, you you see what they what it is, and you still do your job. And you know what's interesting about that too is that like when you're treating narcissism and you're sitting with narcissists and you're attempting to help them and rehabilitate them, a lot of times that is what you have to be. You have to be the lightness in the room, and you just have to be yourself, and you have to not not get sucked into. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to get sucked into the mirroring of that because it's mm-hmm. very hard to tolerate mm-hmm. um that that rigidity that's sitting Absolutely. in front of you but yeah so t- i think that's a great point thank you for remembering to bring it up because tyler he, just when you're watching is like this lightness and brightness you know yes it's in the guise of funny and all of that because it's tyler perry but it's that it's that sun that comes in the room and you realize you've been sitting in darkness. Yep. And I think um, this is definitely a meditation on darkness, this mm-hmm. movie. So thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.